Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. We've looked at a number of passages that uh, most preachers today either misunderstand or misinterpret or misapply in the name of offering encouragement, especially by way of offering the health and wealth prosperity gospel. Some of these Bible passages are taken out of their context, used to mean what the preacher wants it to mean, and before you know it, he has handed you a false promise that is not going to pass and most likely is going to hurt you as you raise your expectation towards something that God has not actually said. So one of those verses that we would like to look at, I can imagine if I asked you to mention the top 10 verses that you know or have heard about that are very common, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic. I believe one of those first 10 verses that you would want to mention is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. This is one of the verses that I've I've been making rounds on social media with lots of hashtags reminding people of how Christians are above the corona pandemic, even with some people actually encouraging others to protest the government lockdown by organizing church services because they believe that the corona COVID-19 virus cannot get them since they are believers. We've been reading online some of those statements or in the news, especially about uh, Tanzania, where the president of Tanzania uh, has been saying that the hope for defeating the coronavirus is uh, in the church, and therefore people should gather and pray like never before. Uh, Social distancing for him is not a problem because, after all, God is able to deliver you from the COVID virus or to stop it from ever attacking you. And in that perspective, this verse has made rounds, in fact, has gone viral all over the internet with believers quoting it and passing it on to one another for encouragement. You may also know that even before the COVID-19 pandemic, this is a verse that has very much been used by what we know as the prosperity gospel preachers who have been preaching the gospel called Name It and Claim It saying that as long as you confess or declare something, it must become yours, especially if you do so by faith. According to this teaching, nothing is impossible. Victory is guaranteed in anything and everything. You can do all things after all through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. In other words, as a believer, you are above trouble, you are above problems, you are above sickness and disease, you are above poverty, not even COVID-19 pandemic can affect you in any way. If we are to take this kind of interpretation to its logical conclusion, in the face of this pandemic crisis, we have some believers who are saying they have the authority not only to bind COVID-19 virus, but even to resist it as they declare it dead or as they declare an end. As a matter of fact, We have some prominent popular prophets that not once, not twice have declared that the COVID pandemic is over. 
only to hear again in the news of so many people dying like in Italy, in Spain, in China, in the, in the United States and a number of African countries like Ghana or South Africa, and the list goes on. The verse has therefore become an anthem for anybody who wishes to escape the current realities and challenges that befall us. It has become a motto for motivational speakers, a prescription for counselors who would like to provide encouragement to depressed people during this time, counselors who care about creating a positive good feeling in the client rather than establishing their healing or their peace in the truth of scripture. We have had also, for instance, if you are, uh, say, an athlete, I'm sure you have been attended some football games where you find, for instance, you see two football teams before they begin to play the, the match, they first gather together and they pray. And of course, as you can imagine what goes on in that circle of prayer, each one of them is claiming victory from the football match. Each group is saying, we want to win, please God help us to win. And in most cases, each one of them is saying, I can do everything through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, and therefore we will not lose this much, we must all become winners. Now, you may also know that while both might quote the same verse, not all teams can become winners. Certainly there is going to be a winner, and there is going to be a loser, and what that means, again, is that the verse is not really as applicable blanketedly as we would like it to be. Since the, not all the teams that are using the same passage are going to win. And certainly the team that loses might be wondering, why is it that we lost and yet we prayed? We asked God that we may be winners. We quoted even his Bible verse that we can do all things in Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Why is it that we have not been able to win this match or this victory? Does the promise of God in Philippians 4.13 still hold? Have we quoted it wrongly or misapplied it? Is it possible that this verse might actually not be meaning what we think it means? So many questions arise out of that scenario. In the face of suffering, in the face of trouble and persecution, we are forced to see the realities of life as they really are. We are forced to question our theological beliefs and convictions as we hold them. And it's unfortunate that many times we find that our theology does not hold up to the realities that stand before us, especially if we fall in the kind of category or where people believe Bible passages not as they were meant to be known and believed, but as they want them to be true about them. And if you are in such a category, not only will you find yourself in a situation of uh, distraught discouragement, but you might feel hopeless and helpless. You might wonder whether God is still faithful and committed to his promises and covenant. Not that the problem is with God himself, but the problem is that you have quoted the scripture and applied it in a place where it does not belong, never was meant to be. And you have assumed that because you have quoted something from the Bible, it necessarily must work for you. And there is no greater disaster than something like that. So how do we understand what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13? Is it really possible that you and I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us? And that we should understand this verse to mean that we are 
superpowers. We are like Superman. We, we can do whatever we want. We can decree and declare anything we want and it will happen. That whatever we set our hands to do, it will be happen as we have said it. Or we will be winners and victors and success will go before us and all around us. Is that really how we are meant to understand Philippians chapter 4 verse 13? For us to get it well, let's read it and hear what the Apostle Paul writes and what that meant for the Philippian believers first and foremost and what it could mean for us today. Philippians chapter 4, let's begin from verses 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is the passage as we have it in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. What is the purpose of this writing? Paul has written to the Philippian church, to thank them for their generous giving towards Paul's ministry. He makes mention that they had supplied his needs even at a time when no other church or person was willing to do so, that they went out of their way to meet the needs of the man of God and they did so sacrificially and yet so joyfully. The Apostle Paul writes to thank them so much, to remind them of the blessings that are theirs as a result of their generous sacrificial giving, but more importantly to remind them that what excites him so much is not so that they have given, but so much what it means for him as he learns to receive from them, but even more importantly at times when he is not able to receive. In this letter, Paul gives them the secret of a successful Christian life, and the secret is not giving. The secret is not even receiving. The secret is that of contentment as we shall look a little later. Like any portion of the Bible, the meaning of this passage must be determined by the author and not as the readers. It is limited by what comes before it or after it. And if we want to really get the intended meaning of this Bible passage, then we must consider the context of this passage. We must look at the circumstances in which the Apostle Paul writes even more importantly, we must see the, 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 the key theme 
of Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. While many have read verse 13 of chapter 4 and concluded that Paul is reminding us of our authority and power to decree and declare anything and it must come to pass in the name of Jesus, far from it, the apostle Paul actually aims at something else and that is the subject of contentment as we will see. Before running into the verse to claim the promise of verse 13, we must remember the entire context of the letter. Where is Paul at the time of the writing of this letter? Now, as you may well know, Paul at the time of the writing of this letter is under house arrest in Rome, where he has been in prison for quite some time, and most likely is not even sure whether he will survive these prison chains. You would think if this verse really meant that Paul can do anything through Christ who strengthened them, him, that he should not even be in prison. What is a man like him doing in prison if he can do all things through Christ? Why has he not declared and decreed for the prison chains to break and he walks out a free man? Why has he not declared the destruction of his prison, of, of, of those who have imprisoned him and he walks out without any anybody holding his arm or pulling him back? Clearly, that's not Paul's, that's not what Paul has in mind as he writes this statement. For if it were indeed as true as it is laid out, then Paul should not even be suffering in prison. So if your understanding of this verse is correct, then you may wonder why Paul is not using the same power or the same strength or the same authority to get himself out of this kind of imprisonment. We must also remember that Paul is writing at a time when he has give, received a gift from the Philippian church. And the general tenor or tone of this letter is one of thanksgiving for the generosity of the Macedonian believers. In the midst of his thanks, he reminds them of what really matters. And in so doing, he reminds them that giving and receiving is wonderful. But the attitude with or without giving is of more profound importance. And the Apostle Paul during his trying moments, during his imprisonment and chains, had learned one, learned one thing, that circumstances could never dictate over, whether good circumstances or bad circumstances, and that was the secret of the subject of contentment. Beyond the setting of the verse itself, we look back to the verses that come before 13 and the verses that come after, and we realize that Paul is indeed talking about something more than just having authority to do anything you want. Look at how he writes in verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And as we look at this Bible passage, again it becomes very clear that Paul is not saying believers have been given the power to dictate circumstances around them. But Paul is saying that no matter the circumstances, whether good or bad, a Christian can still hold his head high, sing and say it is well with my soul. Not because everything is fine, but because he has learned to stay focused and firm in the promises of God, even when all other ground around him is sinking. Paul's focus here is not on the achievements we get when we pray or when we declare with our believer's authority. Paul's aim here is that of contentment. 
Paul, rather than envisioning all that he can accomplish by his power, instead is focused on the heart, on his heart response to the circumstances that surround him, whether those circumstances are favorable or not. Paul is talking about the contentment that only Christ offers that can keep a smile on your face and enable you to thrive in all things, whether good or bad, as you learn to rest in Christ's power. Whether that be in state house or on, in prison or with the COVID-19 virus or free from it. The intimate communion that Paul has with Christ is the sure source of his strength to withstand the ever-changing and unpredictable conditions that he has experienced. He is not happy because the church at Philippi has given. He is not happy because the believers take care of his needs. Whether he has plenty or he has nothing, whether these churches have given or not, Paul can still stand and say, I know who holds the future and everything by him is planned. Paul can still say, I know I can make it no matter what may come my way. Not because I have plenty or because I don't have, but because I am complete. I am secure in Christ Jesus. My value, my hope are not determined by the things I receive or not receive. The Christian life, uh, to the, uh, in, in, in contrary to the prosperity gospel message today, is not always about the haves and have-nots. It's not always about what we get when we come to Christ. It's more about what we become. And that's why we read in John 1.12 that for all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the power to become, to become children of God. Not the power to make wealth, not the, the power to, 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 to say no to sickness, not the power to decree and declare whatever we want, but the power of a new status, the power of a new identity, the power of a new belonging, the power of sonship as children of God. And Paul understands that any child of God who has attained that has actually come to the to fruition, has come to the best that anyone can ever get of blessings. And whether material things accompany them, the Christian life or not, it does not really matter. Paul is saying, having discovered the riches that I have found in Christ Jesus, I wouldn't care whether I ever became rich or became poor, it wouldn't really matter. What matters is that I am complete and I am rich and I have plenty that I have found in Christ Jesus. We too live in a world where things are ever-changing. And when they do, anxiety and fear, frustration come flooding upon us. At a time like ours during this COVID-19 lockdown, we are so filled with fear about the future. We are so anxious about what life will look like after the pandemic is gone. We are worried about our identity and our jobs and all sorts of things. I can understand why it is easy to buy into the lie of blanketly claiming Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Because we want to imagine ourselves like the, the people who are able to do anything we want whenever we want, especially using Christ's power. Our immediate desire is to get rid of such situations that threaten our security. Yet Paul's secret, as we see in Philippians chapter 4, is to endure as Christ empowers us in the midst of trials. Not to run away from trials, not to wish them away, not to declare that they be no more, but to learn and to grow and to shine and to blossom in spite of the trials that surround us today. 
This verse is about having strength to be content when we are facing those moments in life where physical resources have become minimal. When our hope cannot be in what we have or don't have. When our security can no longer be in our jobs or in our families or in our businesses or in our personal projects. But when our hope is firm and secure in Christ Jesus. For Paul, it was not an attitude of I will always win. It's not a mindset of when you are a Christian, life should be easy and things should go your way. It is not about I'm going to get everything I believe for fantasy. Paul is not entertaining any false conceptions of his circumstances. Most likely, he's not even hoping that he will get out of this arrest that he's been under. What Paul means, rather, is that he will not succumb to any threats or challenges that are around him. And he will not let them rule him because he is strengthened by Christ. Who knows his problems? Who knows his heartaches? Who understands his trials and sufferings? Christ, who has every power to deliver him, by the way, but for reasons in his own wisdom, has allowed Paul to remain in prison. We know that Jesus would have done it if he wanted to. In Acts, we read about how he freed Peter from the chains in prison and brought him back to the apostles to preach. Clearly, this is not a case of Paul has no choice or Christ is not able to deliver him. It is a case where Christ is calling him just like he calls you and I. Rather than running away from the trials of this life, instead to embrace them, walk in and through them, and use them as stepping stones for the glory of God's kingdom and for the testimony that indeed Christ Jesus is Lord, even over our circumstances. The failure to grasp the context and properly understand Philippians 4.13 accordingly misleads people in their faith by pointing them towards false realities and untrue biblical conclusions. By examining the immediate context, we find that Paul is acknowledging and thanking the Philippian church for the gracious gift that they have given him to support the ministry work. But even more so, he's making a deliberate effort to clarify that his ministry and well-being are not based or dependent upon the believer's giving, but solely on Christ. Christ and him alone. In Christ Jesus, I can do all things. What kind of things can I do? I can endure pain. I can endure pandemics. I can endure problems. I can endure poverty. I can even endure the snares of prosperity. If it should come my way, it should not affect my attitude and my behavior towards Christ Jesus. With Christ at the center, I stay firm and secure and nothing will move me, good or bad, because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So what is Paul's message to believers today? That Christians going through a series of trials in their lives, just as Paul himself was, especially trials that come out of our faith in Christ, that we must not only undergo them patiently waiting upon him to rescue us and to give us a testimony through them, but we must undergo them contentedly and without complaining. That Christ is faithful and he will give us the strength to endure as we go through the circumstances, no matter what they may be or where they may be or how long they may last. What matters most is not that problems come our way, because in a sinful world like ours, problems are bound to come. 
If you are a prosperity gospel preacher who thinks that problems cannot come your way, then maybe you haven't read the realities around you recently. Then maybe you haven't understood why you are still locked down during this COVID pandemic. Because if that were the case, then you should be moving around freely and not having to worry about anything. But why is it that all of us are on lockdown? Because we all recognize the realities. We all recognize that there are problems bigger and above and beyond human power and strength. We recognize that these things are under the sovereign care and guidance of God. But God, even though he's able to get rid of them and give us a free atmosphere to enjoy, for reasons in his own providence, chooses to let them be and instead works through them for our strengthening, for our maturity, for our encouragement, and even more so to teach us the, 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 the testimony of contentment in trying times. For those of you who rejoice in Christ, Remember that Christ gives us the power not to run away from problems and persecutions, oppressions or afflictions, but the power to be sustained in them. In fact, working through them to make us more dependent upon him, to develop and increase our faith as we trust him day by day, step by step of our lives. And using these problems in with their, with their pain and their sorrows to refine us and to conform us in the image of Jesus Christ. That during such ups and downs of life, we are being called not to live in denial or despair, but instead to stand firm in faith as we wait upon the Lord Jesus to deliver us from this anxiety and to give us his peace that goes above and beyond any human understanding. Paul is encouraging the believers not to just look at life in the sense of we give and we receive, but to consider a much better standard where our giving and receiving does not determine our joy or peace or fulfillment in life, but rather our relationship with Christ Jesus is the most important. One message or one word that Paul has for believers of all times is that with Christ Jesus, you can endure anything. With Christ Jesus, nothing else really matters. That with Christ Jesus, you have the greatest blessing and the greatest prosperity ever. And if nothing or anything ever happens in your life to enrich it, you should still be happy and contented because Christ is all you have for all you will ever need. And Christ is the only hope, not just for the world, but for you as an individual. So as we brave this pandemic, with sorts of all sorts of unanswered questions, wondering where God is in all this. Remember that God has not really forsaken us. Remember that he's still on the throne like he was before this pandemic came. He is still Lord just like he was before his own son Jesus died on Calvary's cross. He is still Lord when the believers of different periods and generations underwent persecution so severe that many lost their lives, like we read in Hebrews chapter 11. And yet, in the midst of their loss and sorrow and homelessness and despair, he still worked in and through them to bring them on the honor roll of the great giants of faith. We are told that these believers did not look back, did not waver. They were willing to suffer and to lose everything for the sake of Christ because they were looking forward to a city whose architect and foundation is God. Have you been discouraged lately? Have you been wondering where God is in all this? 
Are you one of those people who have been claiming Philippians 4.13 as a security statement for you to get whatever you want and fulfill your personal desires and enjoyments without considering the context of the passage itself? May I remind you that God's intention is not just to make us happy but holy, and he uses suffering and trials as part of the processes to refine and sanctify us, just like we see gold cast into the fire to make it more glorious and radiant and shining. God is working in and through your life. God wants to teach you contentment no matter where you are or what you are going through, no matter what you have or don't, or don't have. And he calls you to lift up your eyes upon him, to wait upon him, whether you are in jail like Paul or in the White House or in the government office, wherever you are. May your hope be found in Christ. May your hope remain firm and secure, no matter what is going on all around you. That you may be able to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Even in trying moments, I can still do all things because of Christ Jesus. May God bless you. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.